tried to ever set up your own direct TV or like satellite system? Has anybody ever done that? No, uh, just me. I'm the only one that has the guts to do that. So I've done it every single time we've moved. Um, we don't have direct TV now, but we still have the satellite on the back of our house. And, um, and I remember the first time we, we bought our first house in Worcester. It was on Hickory Lane um, off of Melrose. And uh, I was so excited because it was the first house we owned. We were young. I was like 20, I think, when we our, bought our first house. And, um, and I was so excited because we decided we were going to get satellite TV. This was when, like, this was a big deal. Like, th- that's right when DirecTV was kind of new and fresh. And, and uh, I decided we're going to get DirecTV. I'm going to climb up on the roof. I'm going to do the install kit. I'm going to do the azimuth and the whatever thing and whatever and figure out the point and the, and the satellite where it needs to go on top of the second story roof, which is brilliant for a 20-year-old, you know, to, who doesn't know what he's doing. Um, and so I decided I'm doing it. I got up on the roof and I did everything and I s- tightened everything down and aligned it right where everything said it was supposed to be with the, with the uh, angle and all, all that. And I go down and I'm ready to get, look at the TV and I turn on the TV and, uh, and all it says is no signal. That is annoying, right? That's very annoying because that means I got to go back up on the roof um, which means going to my second story, climbing out the dormer window and then climbing up to the peak of the, the roof because there were like uh, trees in the back of our property. It was like a park in the back of the property we lived in. And so I had to point it in a very specific and put it right in a specific spot so that the trees weren't covering up the satellite. And so I would go up and I would like just adjust it just a little bit. And then I would climb back downstairs and I'd see no signal. Dang it. So I had to climb back up and get up there on the roof and just adjust it just a little bit more. And you're probably thinking, was Nikki not home? <laughs> and of course not. She wasn't home. And I was too anxious to wait for any help. I just wanted to get this done. That's, that's, that was my foolishness as a young adult, that I always wanted to do stuff and just get it done. And, um, and I don't know how many times I climbed up and down and climbed up and down and climbed up and down to make that thing align. And all of a sudden, I go back downstairs and psh, the TV is on. And it's the DirecTV channel saying, welcome to DirecTV. I'm like, ah! I was like so jazzed, so pumped up, finally. And then I can watch the programming that I was looking forward to, which was like, I don't know, HDTV, I think, or something. Um, and uh, I don't know if you've ever like, experienced anything like that, where you want to have a signal, but you're not getting a signal. If you've been in a place where you're trying to make a phone call and you have one bar, and it's like, can you... Can, you hear me? And it's like, they can't hear you. And then you lose a signal. And it's like an important phone call. It gets frustrating, doesn't it? I don't know. Sometimes I think in our spiritual life, our relationship to God feels like that. That we're, we're just like a hair out of alignment and we're missing something, but we don't know what it is. And we're trying to figure it out. It's like something's off. Something's not right. I, 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 I'm trying to be with God. I'm trying to spend time with God, but I'm just, there's just something, a hair out of alignment. And the reality is when we're just like a hair out of alignment with God, um, we're going to miss out on what he has for us. If we keep ourselves too distracted, if we keep our lives too noisy, if we keep our soul too busy, um, it's like the trees and the rain blocking the satellite signal. It can't cut through. And, uh, and I wonder for us, if there's something in your life that this year, as you're kicking off 2019, if there's just something in your life that you feel like, I'm out of alignment, something's out of alignment, and you want to figure out what the heck that thing is, or you want to connect to a power that can help you figure it out, that's what I want us to experience this year. 
Every year as a church, we start off our year um, with a healthy habit. And that healthy habit is spending a season and a time as a church corporately all together doing a season of prayer and fasting. And some of that is prayer and fasting for our church's body as a whole, and some of it's for you individually. My prayer is that by the end of this morning, you may have the next steps to prepare for that in that season of trying to align with God a little bit more, trying to get the signal a little bit stronger and, and walk with God in a new way, because this is what I know. God has all the power to do all the things that you could ever ask for or imagine or dream of in your life. And, I, and I'm not saying that in a way to where like it's God is the magic genie in heaven and so I can get whatever I want out of him. That's not what I'm saying. It's that God already has something in us. He has a purpose in you. He has something that he called for you to walk into in your life. And he has promises attached to us when we walk in his word, walk in obedience to his calling that we get to experience. And all of those things come with us walking in alignment with him. And so how can we realign and how can we connect to his power, to God's power? So that's the first part of this message this morning is I want to learn how to be aligned with his power, aligned with his power, with God's power. Um, has anybody in here experienced um, in the last couple of months any power outages, like at your house, like where it's like everything's dark? There's kind of this eeriness when the power goes out, Right. Like, you don't realize how, just, like, how many sounds happen in your, in your uh, neighborhood or around you until the power goes out, and you're like, this is creepy. It's really quiet. Like, the dogs aren't even barking because they're creeped out. Like, what's going on here? Um, that's what happens when we live out in the country, and when the power goes out, it is, it is a little creepy. I'm like, I'm used to, like, this humming noise of a refrigerator or just something. Um, but power outages can really affect us, can it? We, we live in a time where power matters, having the power on, um, being sure all, all the food in our refrigerators and our freezers doesn't go bad. Um, we don't have the ice man come by and drop off new ice for our ice boxes. Like power is what we use to keep things fresh, um, to, to make things last. It's what we use um, to turn our lights on, like to, to control everything. Like when we lose power, it gets really frustrating, especially when it's very cold out and your heater's not working. Because now you're like, okay, how long is this going to last? Um, and, uh, and are we just going to bundle up the blankets? And um, like in our house, we have a gas fireplace, but we seal it up. We don't ever actually use it because air just comes in through our fireplace. So it actually is like a window open all the time. So we seal it up until like there's no power. And it's like, all right, we've got to crack this thing open. I've got to take screws out to, re to take the cover off. And, and then we can have some heat at least, but still no power. There's a frustration in that. And some people, this is what they do. They go out and buy generators. I don't know if any of you have a generator. So when the power goes out, you go out in your garage and you pull this thing out and you plug it in and you do this master switch that then all of a sudden you... And you have this like engine running outside of your garage that's making lots of noise. The silence is now gone in the neighborhood because you know who has a generator and who's running it. And, uh, and, and that way, with a generator, you can power... A certain parts of your house, probably not all of it, unless you have one of those big giant ones, you know, that runs off natural gas, one of those like crazy expensive ones. And that some people need that. I know people have that. But most people I know around where I live, they have those small ones. It's like this engine that's just going and going and going and going. And it powers just a few things that are important. Um, but what do they have to do with those generators? Constantly re refill them with gasoline. So we got to be sure they have enough gas to keep that power going and keep that noise rolling and, and power the few things so things don't go bad. 
Um, I'm going somewhere with this, by the way. <laughs> Don't you think it's so much better just to be connected to the power grid? Right? Our, your, your little um, five and a half horsepower, you know, 4,000 watt generator can do so much, but when you plug it in and the power grid is working, you have access to this crazy, almost unlimited power to power everything that you need in your home. Now, I'm going to talk about this in the spiritual realm, okay? Because in our spiritual lives, I think sometimes we live in such a way spiritually as if we're just trying to run on a small generator. That we try to spiritually do and work on in our own power what we were never intended to do and run in our own power. And what we end up doing is exhausting ourselves spiritually because we think it's on us. It's on me to do better. It's on me to, to prove that I'm worthy. It's on me to earn God's love. It's on me to like work hard and to serve at church. It's on me to, and we start doing it in our own power. And all we do is create exhaustion for ourselves. Spiritual exhaustion, which can lead to kind of disillusionment with our relationship with God. Because like, what do you want from me? I'm doing my best. And that's probably the problem. Your best will never work. And that's kind of like running on that little generator. Uh, God has all the source of the power. God has all power. He lacks nothing. It's like he's the power grid spiritually for us to plug into. And he's invited us to do that. He's invited us to stay connected to him, all the source of spiritual power in our life. He is the power grid. Uh, and too often we try to win battles and, and do things spiritually in our own power. I'm going to story through a little bit in the Old Testament through the Israelites' exodus. I don't know if you guys, I talk about that quite a bit because it's a pretty powerful moment in, in, our, in spiritual history. Is that God chose a people and he wanted them to be his people and those are the Israelites. And he freed them from Egypt, from, from generations of slavery and he took them and he, he was promising them this land that's awesome. It's full with milk and honey. It has all sorts of fruits and, and supply all their needs. But in that process, they failed God. I mean, they were, they were disobedient to God, and God punished them and said, well, you're going to wander now for 40 years in the desert. I don't know if you've had your 40-year desert experience. <laughs> I'm glad that, like, a lot of us don't go through 40-year desert experiences, but there are desert experiences in our lives where it's kind of like, okay, God, I thought you said this, but now I'm feeling this. What's going on here? And it may be that we're actually just living out the consequences of our choices, God's forgiveness doesn't negate consequences. We still have consequences in life for every choice we make. Man, there's some for me that, have, that took years and years and years to get past, to get out of the consequences of. <laughs> but God's faithfulness was with me. His grace was with me. But, uh, but that's what would happen to the Israelites. They were experiencing the consequence of their choices, wandering in the desert for 40 years until they got to go into the promised land. That was a big deal. This guy by the name of Joshua took over leadership. So Moses was the one that led them out, led them in, in, out of Egypt, um, led them into the desert land, unfortunately, in that season. And then he passed away right before they were going to go into the promised land. And Joshua, second in command, took charge and led then God's people into the land that he promised them. Now, when they went to the land, do you think it was easy? It wasn't. It wasn't like, boom, God just like handed them the land and everybody disappeared and they just like, you know, lived in paradise the rest, the rest of their days. There were battles to come in the promised land. 
There were things that they had to fight through. And the very first place, the very first city that they came to was Jericho. If you heard the story about Jericho and the tall walls of Jericho, it was, it was a fortress. And God told them, I, you're taking over this land. You're taking over Jericho and go do it. Now, they had a choice. How are we going to take over this? We are a people group. How are we going to even get in? How are we going to take over and conquer this land and in the city? How is this even going to work? They could have chosen to try to do it in their own power, right? Okay, guys, we've got to build some tools. We've got to build some uh, battering rams. We've got to knock down these walls, and uh, we've got to take over here. And, uh, and the reality is, if they did that, they would not have succeeded. If you've ever heard the story of what actually happened, God told them what to do. God said, I will give you victory. March around seven times. Over seven days. And the last day, march seven times around those walls. And at the end, just blare your trumpets and yell at the top of your lungs. And I'll give you victory. So they had a choice to make. God, this sounds like a crazy idea, right? Like, like this doesn't make any sense. This isn't how other battles have gone. This isn't what the enemies have done to us. It's like this, this okay, we're going to do it our way, is what they could have said. But they didn't. They did what God said. Seven days, the last day. Do you know guys know what happened? The walls came and tumbling down. This is a Sunday school story, but it's a real story. It's a true story. And they walked into victory into the promised land. Not because of their own power. Not because they had masses of people or the right tools or because they had God on their side. I'm wondering for us in this year, are there areas of our lives that we need to start walking in obedience to? Are there things that God has already said to us? Hey, walk this way or do this or live like this. And in so, his promise of victory, his promise of his power showing up will actually come to fulfillment in your life. I want us to align with his power and not try to work on our own personal generator spiritually. And that's what we're going to be doing in this season. Align with his power. This is what it says in Romans, or sorry, Psalms. This is, oh, this is a good Psalm. Um, Psalm 27, 13 and 14 says this, I am still confident of this, of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Some of us have a hard time with the waiting for the Lord part. <laughs> I know he said wait, but I'm going. I'm doing it. I'm moving forward. I'm taking this step. And, uh, and I would rather wait on the power of the Lord to show up, to plug into his power. Romans chapter 8 says this, and if the spirit of him who has raised Jesus from the dead, how much power do you think it took to raise Jesus from the dead? All of it, I think. I, I'm pretty sure that was the most victorious moment in history ever, spiritually, physically, all the above. That was the victorious moment that took all the power of heaven to raise him from the dead. This same power, this same Holy Spirit that raised him is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. You have the power of God in you. The spirit of God. Let's walk in alignment with his power.
Let's start this year by saying, I don't want to do this on my own. I don't want to try to make this thing right. Or I'm not, I don't want to try to like step into a new season or, or fix this in my life just using my power. I don't want to do it because I know I will fail and I will trip up. I want to walk in God's power. I want the satellite aligned with his word and I want his power plugged in to my life. I want it. I want to experience. So here's the question, okay? Each one of these talks, I have a question and I want us to wrestle with this. And here's the question. In what area of your life do you doubt God? Okay, I want you to think about that. And the second question is this, where do you want to see God's power show up in your life? Is there an area of your life that you are doubting God? Because doubting God, doubt is the opposite of faith. Doubt is saying God doesn't have the power. God can't move. That's what doubt does. That's the lie of the enemy in your life. <clears throat> Whatever that area is, what is it? So that you can name it. And then the second part is like, what area do you want to see God's power show up? You want to see him move. You want to see him work. If you were here on, uh, on Christmas Eve, I kind of messed up everybody's Christmas story. <laughs> because I told you the real name of Jesus. And uh, if you weren't here, um, just so you know, Jesus came and he was born, all right? So that whole thing. And then David, or not David, um, Joseph was told to give him a name and the name was Jesus. And that's what we say in English is Jesus. But the original language, the name was Yeshua. Yeshua. It's interesting as we're going back and we're storytelling right now through the Israelite story of leaving Egypt in the desert land and then going into the promised land. <clears throat> the guy that led them was this guy by the name of Joshua. He was the victor. He was the one that, that led as a mighty warrior taking God's people into the land that he promised. That was Joshua and Joshua is Yeshua. It's, that's the name. And Yeshua's name, Joshua, is this victor, right? Victory. That's what I talked about on Christmas Eve, that, that we have been given victory over sin. Not just forgiveness from sin, but victory over it by the power of Yeshua, Jesus Christ. And this name, Yeshua, Jesus, that we now say in English, it, it for the Israelites, takes them back to that imagery of this Joshua in the Old Testament who led them into the promised land and now us, for us, Yeshua, Jesus, leads us victoriously into a new promised land, something new, something greater, something in victory, in victory. That's why this whole series is called Victorious, because we want to experience some things of victory in our lives this year. And, and this is going to be a theme, actually, for, for at least the first half of the year, if not the whole year. Can we be a culture of people that live and walk in victory with Christ? Can we stop living defeated lives in areas of our lives? Can we, can we move into the greater things, the new spiritual diet in our life? Can we walk deeper into God's presence? Can we be victorious through Christ Jesus? Not our own power. Doesn't work. In his power, Yeshua has come. He has given us this power. This is what it says 
In, uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. Why? Because he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua. We've been given it. It's, it's, it's right there. He's already leading us. If you're in Christ Jesus, you have victory. So that's what I want to talk about during this part, is that we need to move towards victory in our life. Now, this isn't like some motivational speech, all right? This isn't like me going, be victorious, rah, let's do this, rah, let's take the field. Like, like, I could say all those things, I could like ramp you up emotionally, and I could be like, yeah, and then you leave here going, this is going to be awesome, and then like you trip, and you fall on your face, and you're like, well, that didn't work. And then you'll blame me. It's not through me. It's not through my words. It's not even an emotional ploy. It's understanding. You have been given victory through Yeshua, Jesus Christ. And now living into it, walking into that victory, saying that death and sin no longer has its sting in my life. He, God, has given me victory through Christ Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua, leading me into a new promised land. That is what we're walking into his power let's be aligned with his power let's be hungry for his presence let's say it's time to change my spiritual meal it's time for me to walk deeper into god and be hungry for his presence and now how can i move towards victory in 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 so many different areas of my life and so that's the question here is that is there something in your life that you need victory in is there something that you have been defeated in for a long time is there some stinking thinking you've been walking through, right? And your mind always goes to the bad place or goes back to guilt or sin of something that's already been forgiven. That's stinking thinking is what I call that, right? It's like we need, we need to stop the stinking thinking and move into God's victory in that thing. Is there a habit or hurt or a hang up in your life that continually just prods and pokes you? It leads you down paths away from God, not towards him. You can walk in victory in that. In that area, is there something? And I'm just going to, you know, I've said this in years past. I'm not interested in partial victories. I don't think God gives us partial victories. I think we take steps more and more closer to full victory. But maybe you've settled for half victory in some areas. <laughs> and so there's a limp there. There's a spiritual limp. There's a sin limp. There's you know something in your life's not quite right. What is that? Where are you walking defeated? I think so often for us the limiting factor in all those areas of our life isn't God God is unlimited <laughs> God has it all the limiting factor in it is me so where am I limiting God's victory what am I going to do to step into Yeshua the victor in my life, how am, how am I going to do that? Well, we, we're going to fight different this year. Um, every year we start and we fight spiritually. We, we try to take over new territory, new ground. Um, the enemy thinks he owns parts of your lives. You know that? Actually, the enemy thinks he owns like parts of our community where he thinks he owns and runs and keeps people in situations and positions that nobody can touch. And the reality is, with God as our victor, we can take over new territory in the name of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you heard that. 
There was no amen at all. Did you guys hear that? We can walk in victory because of the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. That means so be it. That means let's do it. That's what it means. God do it. Let's do it. Let's walk with him in this. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 15. Oh, I already read that one. Sorry. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For though we live in this world, and we do, we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, though, they have, the ones we have, have divine power to demolish strongholds. That's what I'm talking about. Power, aligned with his power, hungry for his presence. And now, man, I'm, I'm ready to walk into victory. Let's, let's take over this territory. And what I'm going to fight with is not my own power. It's not my own strength. It's not my little generator. Oh, I ran out of gas. Fill that sucker back up. Let me get my quick fix spiritually so I can feel good for a little bit, right? And then I'll I'll just keep going. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about plugged into the power grid of God and letting him lead us into victory using his weapons. We're going to talk about one of those weapons that we're going to walk into for 21 days that is the spiritual atomic bomb if you're willing to walk into it, if you're willing to be disciplined enough, if you're willing to say, I'm committing to a season of prayer and fasting, I'm telling you, it'll blow some things up in your life if you so choose to walk into those things. So this question is this, aligned with his power, hungry for his presence, are you going to walk in victory? The question is, where do you want to experience victory in your life? This is where we get a little deeper. <clears throat> is your marriage not what it's supposed to be? Is something broken, and you know it, but you're not doing anything about it, and you don't even know what to do about it. Maybe you need to walk into some new victory in your marriage. Your kids driving you nuts and making you shake your head. What am I supposed to do here? Maybe one of them's just defying you and God like crazy and just rebelling. Maybe you need to say, God, help me have some victory here. Because I'm not going to fight with words. I'm not going to fight in anger. I'm going to fight on my knees. I'm going to use different weapons to attack this problem. Is it an addiction? that you've wrestled with for a long, long time and you're still holding on to it. Do you want to have victory over that? Is it a hurt that's been crippling you for too many years? Is it a habit that isn't like destroying you, but you know it's not good that you need to just let go of? Is there an area of your health that you're just, you want to see God move in? Maybe some healing. Is there something in your workplace job situation. What is it? I'll just give you a bunch of examples, but where do you want to experience new victory in your life? God wants to lead the way. He wants to fight with different weapons in our life. Each year we start with a pretty powerful weapon, and there are those uh, in our church body who have chosen to walk using it and there's some that haven't, that, that just don't jump in with us. And, and um, man, my prayer is that all of us would jump in with this, what I'm about to teach you. 
on the weapon that, that God has given us. And it's called prayer and fasting. That, that uh, we see throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. This whole idea of fasting is, is in there over 70 times. And Jesus, actually, when he was walking with his disciples, saw one of the, the uh, spiritual leaders fasting and like praying and doing it in a public way where everybody could tell this dude's like trying to be super spiritual and he's proving everybody, hey, I'm more spiritual than you. I'm not fasting. I haven't like taken a shower and like my face is all like gaunt and what's the word? I don't know. It doesn't look good, right? Because I haven't been eating so I look skinnier and I just, and so look at me, woe is me and I'm fasting and to show my spirituality to God. And the problem is that's not what he intended. And, uh, and so we see in scripture actually, um, I'll talk about this here in a moment, it, it, we see that, um, oh, I, don't, I didn't put it up there, that, that Jesus said in Matthew 6 to his disciples, he starts to teach them and says, when you fast, don't do it like that, is what he says. But the phrase, when you fast, gives an assumption from Jesus to his disciples that this is something that should be common. <laughs> it shouldn't be a, like, if you ever choose to fast someday or whatever. It's like, when you do it, when you fast, when you do this spiritual habit in your life, this is how it should look. And so this whole idea of fasting that we see throughout Scripture is, 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 um, is not eating and in, in, uh, putting away some foods in our lives so that we can walk deeper into God. And so you're like, that doesn't even make any sense. If you've been around New Hope a while, you've heard this teaching almost every year, okay? So for you, this is a reminder, a refresher of why we do this. For some of you, this is brand new. Maybe you've heard about fasting. There's a lot of churches that never teach on it, um, which is funny because it's actually a pretty common spiritual habit in the New Testament that we should probably be doing on a regular basis, not just even one time a year. But if you've got to go deeper into something spiritually in your life, you may need to take your own season of fasting, whether it's a day or a couple of days, and pray and go deep into God. But, but I want to explain it real quick, okay, and how it works and what it looks like. This is you. Welcome, right? And you, all of us, are, are what I see in Scripture created as triune beings, meaning there's three parts to who we are and to our, our, and to our life. We are made with a body, a soul, and a spirit. Now, um, all of us have these things. We have a body, I see you. Welcome, right? Like we all have a body. Um, we have a soul that's our emotional side and we have a spirit that's a spiritual side that connects us with eternity and with God. And so these things, these three things, our body, soul, and spirit function like this, okay? Our body physically makes us conscious of self. I exist, I have a body, here I am, right? That's what it does. And so when my body wants something, it tells me whether I'm hungry, my stomach will start grumbling, um, or if somebody hits me or punches me, I will say, ouch, right? Like my body tells me when I'm in pain or when I'm experiencing something pleasurable or whatever it might be, it makes me conscious that I am here, I exist, I'm self, okay? Everybody with me? Because I'm just going to fly through this and hopefully it'll make sense to you. And then so we have our body and we have our soul. Now our soul is what makes you conscious of Others. This is the emotional part of our being. This is the relational part of our being. Our soul is what connects us to each other. Um, I know that you exist. And I know that you emotionally feel things. I know I emotionally feel things and go through different things. And my soul makes me understand the relationships around me. Um, so that's the, our, our soul, our emotional, our relational part of our being that God has created us with. We weren't, we weren't ever call, called or created to like do life on ourselves or like all alone. Like that. We weren't made for that. 
He made us for relationship and healthy relationships. So we have our body, our soul, and then we have our spirit. And we see in Scripture, our spirit connects with God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, and makes us God-focused. It makes us conscious that God is real, that God exists. Our spirit connected to the Holy Spirit. So the question is, what of these three areas of your life is controlling the majority of your life, right? Does your body control you, your soul, or your spirit control you? And the answer is, depends on the day, right? <laughs> like, there's some days I'm hungry all day long, and my body's just, I want to eat all day long, and it's telling me that, like, I should do that. Now, my emotional side, I may be, like, struggling with something, or, like, emotionally, like, down, and so my soul might also agree with my body to say, you should eat something, it'll fill my emotions, that chocolate over there, right? All right, just me. Okay, I'm, just, I'm assuming there's others in the room. <laughs> that we fill our emotions with some food in our mouth. And, and that's dangerous. That can be very dangerous. Um, and so some days it kind of fluctuates between these things. And sometimes the spirit is leading us, meaning that there's just this sense that I'm really just walking with God right now. And whatever my body or my soul is telling me right now is kind of like not winning. What God's telling me to do is winning. And I'm walking into whatever that is, despite what my body or my soul is telling me, what my emotions are going through, Right? And so the question is, which of these three things are winning in your life? It's usually the one you're feeding the most. Right? It's kind of like these three, th three things are playing king of the hill in your life. And they're always trying to climb to the top. Your body's trying to tell you stuff. and trying to climb to the top to say, I want to control everything else. I want to control your emotions and your spiritual walk. My body does that sometimes. Uh, sometimes the soul wants to be top of the hill, like, hey, yeah, you're emotionally, you're on a super high right now, man, just let's let, let's just ride that one out. Like how we're feeling is great. Let's just, let's just stay right there. Or maybe it's the opposite. You feel like crap. You've gone through something that really hurt you emotionally. And so it's at the top of the hill right now and everything else, your body and your spirit are being controlled by your emotions because now you're starting to feed that emotion. What fasting is, it's saying, I'm going to go without some things that feed my body, and I'm going to choose probably to do some things that I would typically fill my soul emotionally with, and instead, I'm going to focus that time, energy, on feeding my spirit, going deeper with God in prayer, studying His Word, being in a small group with other people, to challenge each other, to go deeper, when you start feeding your spirit, you start fasting from other things in your life. That's what fasting is. It's setting aside things that would normally feed you here and choosing to put on something new that would feed your spirit more. Okay? Is everybody with me? Okay. First time I heard this teaching, I'm like, that makes so much sense. Like, like in my own walk, I'm like, that makes so much sense. And, um, and so what we are going to ask us to do is to fast something. This is, a, this is what Romans 8, 5 says. Those who live according to the flesh or the body, or this could be really talking about sin nature, those things that drive us away from God, uh, those who live according to that have their mind set on what the flesh desires. So your body or your soul pulling you away from your spirit, from God. But no, no, no. But those who live in accordance with the, the Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, have their minds set on what the Spirit of God desires. 
That's what we want. I mean, that's what we long for. Aligned with his power, um, hungry for his presence, walking towards the victory in our life. We want our minds to be set on what the Holy Spirit desires for us. And that is what a season of prayer and fasting can do in your life. It's saying, uh, I'm going to put those things off and I'm going to feed my spirit in a new way. So this is what we're going to do as a church, okay? For 21 days, we're going to do a season of prayer and fasting as a church. So we're starting on January 14th and we're going to choose to fast from something in our life, to put something off. Something that maybe be the thing you need victory over, maybe that's the thing you put off during the fast. And say, you know what? I'm not going to walk towards that. I, actually, that's the thing I'm going to fast from. Anything that's connected to that, I'm not going to allow in my life for the next 21 days. And you just cut it out of your life. Um, scripturally or biblically, the fast is always attached to food. Not fast food, okay? But like not fasting from food. Um, God never says to eat at Wendy's I, or big... Anyways, I, that's just our choice. Um, that's a whole other sermon. So, so it's saying I, I'm going to choose to not eat some things that I would normally fill my body up with. And for some of us, that might be sweets. You might be saying, I'm going to fast from sweets and desserts and the sugary things in my life. And instead, I'm going to take those cravings. And when I crave those, I'm going to say, no, I'm going to crave for God instead. And that'll cause you to pray. God, I really want chocolate right now. But God, I'm choosing to be with you. And that reminds you of why you're fasting. God, I'm fasting because I want victory in dot, dot, dot. I don't want that because I want more of you in my life. That's what it does. It trades off in our own spirit and mind saying, I don't want that because I want this more. I want God more in my life. So maybe food, some kind of food. It could be meats. It could be bread. It could be fill in the blank. And we've got some things for you to take home today that you can read through and learn more about fasting. Um, um, because it may be for you that you're just going to fast in a food way just like once a week or, or twice a week. You're going to fast the lunch. And during that lunch, instead of doing what you normally do, hang out with people or whatever, you're going to not eat that lunch. And instead, you're going to sit in your car and you're going to pray and you're going to uh, do your daily devotional that we're giving you. And, uh, and you're going to spend that time with God instead, right? It's replacing um, so whatever that commitment is <clears throat> that you're going to say, this is what I'm going to do, I want you to prepare for that this week, okay? And we're going to give you some things to prepare for that. Um, or it could be something that you feed your soul, your emotional side with like media, TV, gaming, internet, scrolling, Facebook, whatever it might be that you actually use that steals life away from you, that you feed your soul with that actually isn't fulfilling anyways, might be a good time to fast from that. And say, okay, that is a noise in my life. I'm going to fast from the news at 6.30 every single night because all it is is junk and then a story about a puppy. Like, what is that about, right? Um, or maybe you're going to fast from scrolling on me social media because, um, because you actually spend way more time than you realize doing that. And so when you stop doing that, you're like, whoa, how much more time I have with God now than I had before or with my family than I had before? Um, whatever that thing is, maybe it's a certain TV show, maybe it's your TV altogether to just shut off for the next three weeks. You decide. This isn't legalism. This isn't Pastor Tim saying, do it this way or you're wrong. This is for you with God. What are you going to commit to with God? Say, I'm going to fast from this so that I can pour into my relationship with you more. That's, that's the question. What what do you need to fast from during this 21 days of prayer and fasting starting, next, or starting the following Monday on the 14th? What do you need to set aside? <clears throat> I'm telling you, in the past, we've had people choose to fast from cigarettes. And over 21 days, they, they cut it out of their life. 
They didn't go back to it. Maybe something like that. I don't know what it is, but I want you to ask God, what do you want me to fast from? What do I need to put off so I can put more of you in my life?